0: You're listening to radically pragmatic a podcast from the progressive policy Institute. We talk with lawmakers, policy experts, and thought leaders about the issues driving the news nationally and internationally. The progressive policy Institute is a catalyst for policy innovation and political reform with offices in Washington DC and Brussels. Its mission is to create radically pragmatic ideas for moving America beyond ideological and partisan deadlock. We encourage analytical conversations, not your typical partisan talking points.
1: Thanks for listening to Radically Pragmatic. I'm Neil Brown. I'm the Director of External Affairs at PPI. And I'm here with Paul Bledsoe. Paul served in the Clinton White House on the Climate Change Task Force and is now a strategic advisor at PPI and the author of a new report that uh, we've just published uh, on the role of natural gas in meeting global energy and climate change goals. Paul?
2: Hi, Neil. Good to be here.
1: You've written extensively about super pollutants. Uh, I think in the New York Times recently, and uh, methane is one of those. And uh, you wanna talk about uh, what sets methane apart from uh, some of the other pollutants as a uh, super pollutant?
2: Sure, so um, obviously the main pollutant is carbon dioxide, which comes primarily from the burning of fossil fuels, but about 40% of warming is from other pollutants. The second most important pollutant is methane, Methane comes from uh, fugitive emissions leaks from natural gas and oil production. It comes from coal mines, comes from agriculture, it comes from natural sources, it comes from landfills, from uh, natural gas, oil and gas production, that's about 25% of global methane supplies. Methane is very important for two reasons. First of all, it's 80 times more powerful than CO2 Mm -hmm. in warming per molecule. But the key to methane is if we cut it now, we limit near-term temperatures. And that's why it's gotten so much attention all of a sudden. Uh, The United States, European Union, and 100 other countries at Glasgow at COP26 signed a global methane pledge to cut methane by 30% from all sources this decade. And the reason they did that is cutting methane is the best way to stay under the long-term temperature goal of limiting warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, the key temperature goal. And 30% of warming can be avoided by deep cuts in methane by mid-century. It's a huge opportunity. It's the most important near-term climate opportunity. And it's one of the reasons that for about the last 10 years I've been focused on methane and other super pollutants, so-called uh, super pollutants. Those include hydrofluorocarbons, (HFCs) that are used in refrigeration, black carbon soot, and some others. But the most important of them is methane.
1: So much of the world is talking about transitioning away from coal uh, into renewables. What what role does natural gas play in that, given the concerns about methane?
2: So in most uh, industrial countries around the world, coal is still the dominant producer of electricity. In China uh, and India, for example, both have domestic coal resources and coal uh, supplies about 80% of their electricity Mm -hmm. even today although that number is coming down at least in China somewhat. Um, And that's a huge problem because coal emits the most CO2, the most carbon dioxide of any of the fossil fuels. The, The goal, as stated again at Glasgow, is to try to phase out coal first. Of all the fossil fuels. In general, I think the view is we've got to phase out coal first, oil second, and use natural gas as a transition fuel, and then phase out natural gas last. One of the problems, though, with natural gas is that if you produce it and uh, ship it and transport it inefficiently, gas that's unburned escapes in fugitive emissions in the form of methane. Mm -hmm. That is Escaping natural gas is methane. And that's a massive problem. And so countries like Russia, which have incredibly old, leaky, inefficient natural gas production systems, have fugitive emissions that make their gas worse than coal from a climate change standpoint. So, for example, in this report, I talk about the fact that Russia supplies 40% of Europe's total gas. Europe is the largest importer in the world of gas. And yet they're importing gas that's worse than the coal it's meant to replace. So unless we clean up natural gas, both its production and its transportation, the natural gas systems, we are going to have this huge methane problem. The good news is the International Energy Agency and many other... Uh, major experts have found that we can cut methane from natural gas very cheaply. In fact, the majority of the studies have found that uh, cutting methane by 50% is zero cost, and maybe even as high as 75%. And the reason is, of course, you're getting more natural gas, it's not escaping. The problem is that these old systems Uh, in places, not just Russia, but especially Russia, but also Iran, uh, Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, Qatar. These systems are old. They're very leaky, and they're leaking immense amounts of methane in the atmosphere that is driving a lot of the warming we're seeing now and could prevent us, just methane alone could prevent us from reaching our goal of limiting warming to 1.5 C or 2 degrees Celsius.
1: So the the EU is is aiming to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions by 55% below 1990 levels by 2030. Can they do that by taking into account these leaky systems that they're uh, using to get their gas?
2: The problem is there's a shell game going on here. Under the UN rules, the gas leaks in Russia aren't counted against Europe, even though the gas, most of the gas is intended for Europe. So they don't technically count against the European Union's climate goals but the climate doesn't know the difference. Right. <laughs> if Europe continues to import 40% of its total gas, 65% of its imports from Russia and these super high emitting methane, it's undermining its own climate commitment and hiding it. Uh, a leading uh, expert on um, methane and natural gas, Mark Brownstein mm-hmm. with the very well-regarded uh, uh, Climate NGO Environmental Defense Fund, has called uh, uh, methane Europe's climate blind spot. This is widely understood now, and it's time, as I argue in this paper, for Europe to regulate its domestic emissions of methane, as the U.S. is doing, and then to regulate imported emissions, including from Russia.
1: Do we even know how much uh, is being emitted from Russia? these
2: Washington Post last month did a huge investigation and found that A, Russia has been hiding its greenhouse gas emissions and lying about it generally, and its methane emissions specifically. They've claimed eight different amounts of methane in one single year, Mm -hmm. declining over time. So they don't even know how much they're emitting, but they're hiding their methane emissions. And the general view is that their methane emissions are about two or three times worse than coal. So if the volume of natural gas that leaks from your total system, your life cycle system, is more than 3.5%, it's worse than coal. Mm. From a climate perspective, most studies think that Russia has leakage of eight to maybe 10%. So two or three times worse than coal. Uh, it just doesn't seem sustainable with those sorts of uh, goals that, that, that Europe's trying to, to reach. So in the report, I urge that Europe do three or four things. The first thing it should do is require that all sources of gas provide accurate, verifiable monitoring of methane emissions. Like right now, that doesn't go on even in European sources of gas. In Brussels just last week, there was a draft leaked that they intend to do that. Mm-hmm. They're also beginning to talk about regulating uh through the EU, methane emissions from their own gas. But they've not talked at all about regulating emissions from imports. And since they get uh, the majority of their gas through imports, that's what matters most. Uh, So this whole methane regulation from natural gas issue has become one of the single most important issues in climate change. Good news here is that the Biden administration knows it. The Biden administration with the EU began the Global Methane Pledge. Biden himself has uh, uh, initiated new regulations to make U.S. natural gas the lowest methane-emitting in the world. The U.S. right now, according to EPA, its gas has about a 1% leakage mm-hmm. rate. Remember, 35 and it's worse than coal, Russia's about a 10% wow. leakage rate. So U.S. gas, by any measurement, is already the lowest methane emitting in the world. And we can prove it because we've been monitoring these emissions for decades. But Biden wants to go even further. Biden wants U.S. natural gas to be almost zero methane emitting within about 10 or 15 years. That's an incredibly interesting opportunity. What it could mean is that if Europe regulates methane from uh, the importing nations, and the U.S. is able to have lower methane emissions, almost zero methane Mm -hmm. emissions, U.S. gas would have a preference in the European market, and it would force the bad actors like Russia and Qatar and Iran to clean up their systems. So the, the vision here is a race to the top of clamping down on methane emissions from natural gas and then using that gas to displace coal. Because even Europe still gets 15% of its total electricity from coal. Mm-hmm. The United States gets about 22% in the latest year. From coal we get about 30% from natural gas. Mm-hmm. So if you wanna phase out coal, natural gas is probably the near term way it's gonna happen because it provides baseload power, not intermittent power like renewable energy. But it's no good if you still let those methane emissions run wild. Gas is only a good replacement for coal if we cut the methane as close to zero as possible.
1: So one of the issues that is kind of glaring is that, as we saw in the last administration, if we do this by regulation alone, uh, it can. Uh, the next administration might flip the switch. Is this something that is just relying on government regulation to fix, or are there uh, other solutions here?
2: So there's several things that have happened. Congress actually reimposed the Obama era rules earlier uh, this year. There's some other good news here. U.S. industry recognizes that methane emissions from natural gas is an incredible vulnerability. Uh, and they—they they are. I've already seen uh, several European nations complain that they—that they're worried that U.S. gas has too much methane, which mm-hmm. is incredibly ironic, given how much more methane comes from Russia. But the point is that the U.S. industry recognizes they have an opportunity to prove that U.S. gas is the lowest methane gas in the world and market it that way, and so. When Biden announced these new methane domestic methane regulations, actually most of the major natural gas producers supported them. Hmm. And that includes the uh, natural gas exporters who liquefy natural gas and send it in ships all around the world. Uh, U.S. uh, liquefied natural gas is growing as export to Europe already. But if we're able to prove, which I think we can do fairly easily, that our emissions are not only lower, but driving down to net zero, near net zero of methane, I think we can revolutionize potentially not just the European natural gas market. It is the largest importer of gas in the world, but over time, maybe Asia and the other major natural gas markets, and help get rid of coal. So it turns out that this demethanizing gas is one of the real keys to the whole clean energy transition.
1: So it sounds like the Biden administration is really uh, kind of gets what's going on and understands the situation. What 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 is uh, what's the situation look like in Congress? How are members?
2: Well. Uh, s- so far, members of Congress have been very worried about the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, Mm -hmm. primarily for its geopolitical implications, uh, which is that it could make Ukraine and other Eastern European countries through which the gas currently flows very vulnerable to Russian malfeasance and possibly invasion. But uh, as the U.S. recognizes that we have to cut our methane, there's a growing expectation that the rest of the world do the same thing. Mm. So the, as I mentioned, the Global Methane Pledge uh, was signed by 100 countries, but it wasn't signed by Russia, the largest methane producer. It wasn't signed by China, the second largest methane producer. It wasn't signed by Iran, the 10th largest methane producer. It wasn't signed by Venezuela. So Congress has need, needs to recognize that this is an issue where the US has to force these other nations to reduce their methane or our methane emissions will be for naught because we are not the largest methane emitter and as ours fall the the relative share of methane from these other countries is going to be e- even higher so this has to be a global attempt here and i think congress has a a major role including obviously the climate hawks in congress who are very worried about this mm-hmm. um so uh, so far the focus has been on domestic emissions but as soon as we begin to really clamp down, which we're starting to do on methane domestically, we're gonna focus on these bad actors uh, you know, around the world. And I think Congress, of uh, both parties, will support um, particularly action to uh, decrease uh, methane emissions from Russia, China, and others. And we haven't talked about methane from other sources. It is important to note that the US is a global leader in reducing methane from landfills, mm-hmm. about 10% of methane, global methane. It's a leader in reducing methane from farms and forests. So the U.S. is really about to be the complete global leader on this. And we, but we've got to make sure those technologies are used around the globe.
1: Yeah, it sounds like this is one of those uh, rare moments where both Democrats and Republicans can be on the same
2: page. It's a good point. The super pollutant agenda has in fact been traditionally supported by Republicans. Ronald Reagan uh, supported uh, the Montreal Protocol. Uh, The HFC amendment is actually gonna be submitted. It has been submitted by the Biden administration for ratification by the Senate, which is the first time that's happened in decades. And uh, Republicans supported uh, domestic uh, reductions in HFCs because they, again, see a global market. So as Republicans recognize that the oil and gas industry wants to reduce methane so they can capture a global market, I'm pretty sure Republicans are going to come on board,
1: too. Uh, Let's back up a little bit and talk about Germany. Um, You know, it's been in the news a lot lately, one with the new government uh, and Nord Stream 2 and uh, what was... I think, considered by many a completed project, uh, no longer looks that way. How, how does that relationship with Russia look with Germany and Europe?
2: So right now, Russia exports its gas primarily through Ukraine mm-hmm. into Eastern and Central uh, Europe. And the Russians have long complained about this. The Ukrainians have pipelines. Ukrainians have natu- Ukraine has natural gas supplies of its own, too. The concern is that Gazprom, the monopoly, which is controlled by Putin, state-owned company, the money that Europe pays to Gazprom goes right into Putin's coffers. I mean, we are funding one of the most repressive governments in the world. We should be clear about that. Russia wanted to not have to go through Ukraine to or any other country to export its gas to Europe. So they built a pipeline through the Baltic Sea directly from Russia to Germany. Unfortunately, in my view, the previous uh, German government with Angela Merkel uh, allowed this to happen, Mm -hmm. and it's a recipe for complete disaster. If this pipeline is completed, it will mainline methane Mm -hmm. into Europe for decades to come and put no pressure on Russia to reduce its methane, which makes their gas worse than the coal it's meant to replace it's absolutely an insane policy there's some good news here the new german government has expressed much deeper reservations about this pipeline this Nord Stream 2 pipeline uh olaf Olaf schultz the the uh incoming chancellor has, has has put it on hold through a technical device the uh Green Party candidate for chancellor is going to be the foreign secretary in the new government. She is steadfastly, for all these reasons, against the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. But I, in my paper, say that's not enough. Mm -hmm. That the European Union, right now, their policy is they should reduce Russian gas, both for geopolitical reasons and for climate reasons. They're not doing it, but that's their policy. So under their policy... The Nord Stream 2 pipeline violates their own stated objectives. And there is a way through European law for the European Parliament to reject the pipeline, even if the Germans want it. Now, I don't think it's going to come to that. I think Brussels and Berlin together are going to be able to stop the pipeline. It has largely been finished and built, but that doesn't mean gas has to ever flow through this. Mm final thing is the geopolitics are horrible. Putin right now is massing troops on the Ukrainian border. He's doing that to threaten Europe's gas supply, saying that if Putin is able to have a way around Ukraine, through the Baltic, to export his gas and fill his coffers, there's a very good chance he'll invade Mm. Ukraine. And in fact, that's what... uh, uk prime minister boris johnson just said last week he said that we're we're selling out to ukrainians the way happened during in central europe in uh before world war ii and we can't let this pipeline be built because it's going to put ukraine in mortal danger Mm.
1: and and we're seeing gas prices be used as a
2: tool in this as well so gas prices are extremely high in europe and that's its own set of Mm. problems they're high because demand has come back and it's very hard to fulfill this huge new demand that sprang from the recovery from the COVID pandemic uh, in any other way than natural gas or coal. In fact, coal is uh, used is up too. Right. So we're going to need the gas for the foreseeable future, even as we build more renewable energy in Europe, to get rid of coal and to be the baseload power that allows intermittent uh, wind Uh, solar, and other renewables to form a larger part of Europe's supply mix. The good news is we can have gas play this role of baseload power in a way that really minimizes its emissions. Long term, we should be able to capture the carbon from gas plants, Mm -hmm. shut down all the methane leaks, then in the next decade or so begin to capture the CO2 and create markets for that. And then in the long run, we should be able to use the natural gas distribution system for hydrogen energy. Right. So there's a glide path that involves the use of natural gas in the clean energy transition in Europe and globally. But we got to seize it. And the first step is shutting down methane from any gas that comes into Europe.
1: Hmm. Well, d- does, does Europe have a clear path forward? I know you make a lot of um, recommendations here. Uh, at the conclusion of your paper.
2: So there's, so there's some good news. Europe, uh, the European Parliament has in a leaked document is considering, we know, uh, domestic uh, reporting, monitoring and verification to prove the domestic natural gas has lower methane. And then regulations to require that and, gas have lower and
1: weight. that's meth- That's gas that's that's inside the inside, inside, the, Union, inside right.
2: the European produced mm-hmm. inside the European Union, primarily from Norway, right. but but some other resources. Problem is that does nothing about exports, and most of their gas comes from abroad. Right. So they've got to first create those domestic regulations, mm-hmm. and then create uh, emission. Uh, of methane regulations for all gas, including imported gas. And this should be an opportunity to set off a race to shut down methane from global gas production because everybody wants into that lucrative European market. The U.S. may have a head start in that because we're already... Proven that our methane is lower, uh, our gas is lower methane content than anybody else's gas, and we're going even further, and we can prove it. Basically, no one else can do that yet, but I expect this whole focus on methane to set off a global race to the top, where all methane producers begin to shut down the 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 fugitive emissions of methane from coal from from natural gas. I think Russia may be the last to do it. And that's one of the reasons I emphasize Europe taking this regulation first because Russia, according to IEA and everybody else, is the largest methane producer in the world. It's a climate scoff law. It hasn't done anything to reduce its emissions. And in fact, its methane emissions alone are probably more than all the coal burned in Russia and Europe. I mean, this is a massive problem that Europe has got to get a handle on as quickly as possible. Again, because it's the key to limiting temperatures above the level that global leaders said at Glasgow. Right.
1: And so this is going to require strict monitoring and verification um, in Russia. Right, uh, which they've in, never done, right? right. right. And
2: they, and, 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 but they will do it if it's the only way they can get their hands on Europe's money. Right. Because the entire regime uh, in the Kremlin Putin regime is funded by oil and gas. Half of total government funding in Russia comes from oil and gas. And so this is the weak point, not only in our climate protection, but in our geopolitical strategy uh, against against Putin and Russia. This is an utterly strategic objective of not just the United States, but Europe and pretty much everyone else around the world. Unfortunately, the Chinese have gotten involved too. Mm. So there exists a, a relatively small pipeline from Russia to China on natural gas. They're building another one. And this is a disaster. This is just like the Nords, it's equivalent to Nord Stream 2, right? So if the Chinese start importing this super methane emitting natural gas from Russia, that's not the way to reduce their coal. Right. It's just going to be worse from a climate perspective than the coal they use. So the US has got to consider its own set of actions, including, in my view, building out more natural gas exporting especially to Europe and to Asia to uh, reduce Chinese coal. In my view, it's one of the single most important things we can do to reduce coal use in both Europe and in Asia. I know that's maybe unpopular with some environmentalists, but there's no other way in the near term to displace that coal and lower emissions. We've got to have a certain amount of baseload power, um, and there are only a few ways to get that baseload power. It's either gotta be nuclear, fossil fuels, or hydroelectric. Those are really your only three possible options. In Europe, uh, nuclear has uh, been being phased out after the Fukushima accident. In uh, Japan, uh, there's, a, there's gonna be a complete phase out in Germany and that has strong backing of the former and current government. Um, and in China, they're building some nuclear, but not nearly enough right. to phase out their coal.
1: And without that pressure from the EU on Russia to reduce those emissions and measure them, the situation with China could just be out of control. uh,
2: Russia will never act unless their money is at stake. That's the only way. And my proposal, I think, has the virtue of setting up a global competition where Europe is the prize. Importing into Europe is the prize. But you have to reduce methane to get the european market i think the us is poised to compete outcompete russia with much lower methane i think we're 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 poised to outcompete other uh, methane exporters including the qataris the venezuelans the iranians it's not a set of really great actors mm-hmm. here who control a lot of the world's gas but the point is that if Europe sets these standards. The US sets these standards. Europe is the largest importer. United States is one of the largest producers. It can set off a global change and reduce, force all these bad actors to reduce their methane and keep global temperatures under the most dangerous levels. Well,
1: this has been a fascinating conversation and, and really insightful, uh, I think, on in, in how to tackle these problems in a way that, that pushes the world to where it needs to be. And it's,
2: uh, it, it is important to recognize we need to build out nuclear power, that mm-hmm. natural gas is a transition fuel. We're probably going to need it for the next several decades. We've got to phase out coal, though, right. because if we don't phase out coal we're not going to meet our climate goals. If we don't demethanize gas, we're not going to meet our climate goals. If we don't phase out oil, we're not going to meet our climate goals. So we, we have to put huge amounts of money, as Europe is doing, as the Biden administration is doing, toward clean energy but it's not going to grow fast enough in the next few decades. We're going to need super clean, low methane natural gas to fill in the gap until eventually, I think, we'll end up with hydrogen power and the Progressive Policy Institute, this is the first in a series of reports. This one is focused on how natural gas can help Europe reduce its climate emissions. The next one is gonna be on how Asia can use natural gas to reduce climate emissions then we're going to do a global report then we're going to focus on hydrogen because in the long run hydrogen can use that same export system the tankers the pipelines and drive us down to net zero but that's going to take that's going to take several decades so there is a path here but it really starts with cutting methane including in Europe from Russia
1: wow well, did, is there anything else you want to touch on from this paper? I think we've covered a lot of ground here. This is- it's,
2: uh, it, it, it really surprised me when I wrote it yeah. how sh- open and shut this case right. is, both in terms of climate and geopolitics. So the Biden administration is on board with this general seems view. It seems like they get this. Uh, right. I think the environmental community is asleep at the switch a little bit here. They don't quite understand the stakes. The EU is suddenly awakening to it. But I think this focus on methane is going to change the calculus. It's going to happen. We need to happen as fast as possible though.
1: Well, congratulations again on publishing this. I think it's gonna get a lot of attention and be uh, very consequential in this uh, conversation.
2: My pleasure, Neil. Good to talk to you. Thank you. you. Thanks
0: for listening. Wanna learn more about the Progressive Policy Institute? Follow us on Twitter at PPI and on Facebook at Progressive Policy Institute, or go to our website, at progressivepolicy.org. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen and check back for new episodes. We'll talk with you soon.